tell me more about how his eyes look, Simon. It's almost <laughs> as if Simon enjoys being chastised by Baz or something. Like, is this how you describe your enemies? It's really not. Hot. Yeah, like, basically. <laughs> I feel like I just want to be, like, quote-unquote enemies for every time we bring up Baz. You want to get sexy? Yeah, let's get to the sexy stuff. Hello, everyone. Surprise, we said that we were going to be off for the month of December, and then we decided not to be off for the month of December. So you got your early Yule present in our last episode, and now you get, I guess, another Yule present in the form of an episode you weren't expecting. Uh, Yeah, so this is just a regular episode. We're talking about chapter 26, and we're really excited to um, actually be here after all. So before we get into it, I do want to remind you all that we are still doing our big Patreon drive. We need to get to $3,500 a month on Patreon by December 31st. Um, If that doesn't happen, I am going to have to start looking for other work. And Jesse and I are not totally sure what that will mean for the future of our podcasts, if that'll mean that we can only release like one episode a month, or if it'll mean that we have to stop making one of the podcasts. But any time that I end up having to spend on making money other ways will be time that I can't spend making podcasts. So we really would appreciate your support. You know, if you've been considering it, now is the perfect time to join. Um, It is also, you know, a time of year when people are giving and getting gifts. So perhaps a Patreon subscription would be a good gift to give or get. Um, you, Our Patreon is non-hierarchical. So whether you give us $3 a month or $33 a month, all of the tiers give you access to the same things. And in exchange for your support, you get a lot of really cool stuff, including extended episodes of all of our podcasts. You also get newsletters from both me and Jesse. Jesse will write fanfic that our patrons have access to. I do a thing called Storytime with Lark, where I read you a book a few chapters at a time. So the first one that I did was The Princess Bride. Right now I'm working through Wheatsy Bat. It's just, you know, really great. We offer a lot of things. You also can hang out with Jesse on Discord. So, you know, if you wanted more one-on-one access to us, uh, that is a great way to get it. And yeah, I really hope that you will join us. We're at patreon.com slash hashtag ruthless. And of course, the link will be in the show notes. Yeah, that said, I am going to stop talking and get into today's episode. Love you. Bye. Hello, and welcome to Escape from Reality, a podcast where two queer IRL witches talk about Any Way the Wind Blows by Rainbow Rowell. I am Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Jesse Blount, and today we are talking about Chapter 6 of Any Way the Wind Blows. 26. Uh, 26. I know how to do numbers. Today we are talking about Chapter 26 of Any Way the Wind Blows which is just from Baz's perspective. And we finally get the lowdown all the way back from chapter 20 of what the hell's up with Baz's stepmom. Surprise! It turns out that with Simon out of the out of the running as the chosen one, 
a few scam artists have stepped in. And Daphne is apparently falling behind one of these uh, scammers. Simon, proving that he is still the original chosen one, is like, well, we got to save her. We got to text Penny. We got to go find this stuff, which, of course, warms Bass's heart. First off, though, Bass ends up calling his cousin Dev to get some honest-ish intel, which turns out besides good old-fashioned conmen, someone is performing miracles that is sucking people in, which, okay, but mages, so miracles, question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, we also end up getting a brief rundown of the Pitch family tree because we all want to know how Baz is related to a dickhead like Dev. <laughs> Fiona at least has given Baz one clue that they can pursue right now, which is going to interview a family friend whose son has disappeared by the name of Lady Ruth Salisbury. The Dun. Ah, I know. How can we? How dare we? Cliffhanger it right here. But we had to. We just did for approachability purposes. <laughs> so this episode wouldn't be two hours long. Exactly. Um, before we get into it, I would just like to thank Neve for the donation. Is it Neve from the story? Maybe. I don't know. If so, that's super cool. But no matter what, Neve, thank you so much for the donation. And um, you know, if you, the listener, would like to leave us a donation and hear your name on our podcast, you can do so. The link is in the show notes, as always. And I don't know if I've said on this podcast, if you join our Patreon and would like to be thanked on the air, you just have to message us which podcast to thank you on, because there are too many. And what if I thank you on the wrong one? And you're like, you never thanked me, which is why I don't do it. So just send me a message and I will. So let's go to Easy Come, Easy Go, where we talk about everything that doesn't go anywhere else. Okay, uh, I guess I just want to start off with Middle Bunce is winning hearts and minds at Watford by allowing cell phones again on campus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. You know, I don't, I don't even go there. And I was so relieved to hear that they were allowed to use their phones. So yeah, that seems like a relief for everyone involved. Yeah, totally. Um, so my first thing here is just like, why is it that characters like Dev are so incredibly fun to read in a book and so miserable to know in life? Because I kept wanting to be like, I love Dev. And I'm like, I need to like qualify this so hard in that I never, ever want to talk to Dev. I like, if I met Dev, I would be like, what a despicable person. But gosh, do I enjoy reading Dev. Yeah, let's get into it. I think a part of it is that unlike perhaps anyone else that we are, that we see in the story, Dev knows that Baz and Simon are a couple and, like, gives negative fucks about any of it besides the kind of, like, LOL, my bro is, like, gay and is banging a dude who's a dragon. And, like, that's just where his brain is. And so he is free to just say all this ridiculous shit that is, like, actually is kind of funny to read because it's just it's so unserious compared to, like, the other level of, like, how everyone is how other people in Baz's life is interpreting him and Simon's relationship. That mm -hmm. it's like weirdly refreshing to just be like, oh, you're just like 
a bro, like a silly bro with just no sort of mouth to brain filter. (laughs) It's just deeply amusing. Yeah, I think that feels right. I think also, I mean, Dev sort of fits in the same sort of category, I think, as like Cordelia from Buffy and maybe even Fiona a little bit of like really, really bitchy people who are like very fun to consume in media, but not necessarily super fun to interact with as a human being. Yeah. So yeah, I think it's just so funny, like the amount of like glee that I get out of reading the way that Dev talks and the shit that he has to say (laughs) when in in fact if I were to meet Dev I would be like oh my god get out of my life like right now yeah I feel like having met sort of frat bros like Dev or whatever the UK equivalent of a frat bro is I know you guys don't have frats but I'm sure this sort of level of bro definitely he's a ponce doesn't Simon give us the the name for what we're supposed to call dev he's a ponce yeah but uh yeah it's just it's also just funny and of course simon's only getting half this conversation <laughs> that he's conveying to dev because baz is like it's i like don't even know how to describe it it's like not quite code switching but just sort of like yeah sweet bro uh yeah me and my me and my boyfriend uh-huh we can come out to come drinks just uh taking a break from sucking his dick you know LOL. Yeah. And I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. Oh, before we move on, though, I just have to say that the thing that I think my favorite thing that Dev says in that conversation is when Baz is like, do you think there's anything credible to any of this? And Dev is like, do I think the greatest mage has been hiding out in Swansea and my grandmother <laughs> is the first to know? <laughs> no, dear cousin, I do not. <laughs> Yeah, no, yeah, his, yeah, everything he says is just deeply bitchy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do you have next? Um, Just that, speaking of the sort of intel we get from Dev, uh, <laughs> we find out that at least people like Dev that don't know Simon personally are like, so you're, he's turning into a dragon, right? My grandmother saw that on Facebook, <laughs> which is like... I mean, I'm glad that we're getting acknowledgement of the fact that clearly Simon is, yes, part dragon. But also the fact that it's like now on whatever mage Facebook is just like, uh, it's just, it's so funny. <laughs> I know that it's, it's so wild to think about like, you know, the world of mages, like neighborhood association is basically what I'm imagining his grandmother saw it on you know because the quote-unquote world of mages is you know like 25 families in the united kingdom someone like posted a picture (laughs) it's like it's a facebook group and just like in real life it's like full of people's like grandmas and parents who are very excited to have know how to know learn facebook and that's the only technology they know how to do but they also yeah so it's just <laughs> the amount of gossip that gets said there is probably out of control. <laughs> yeah. And yep. uh, leaving it rife for, I believe, scam artists, just like in real life. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get into that for sure. Um, 
Yeah, my only other thing here this week is that I really appreciated Baz's uh, pun when he's talking about his lineage and he's like, I seem to be a dead end. But It's funny. I know. <laughs> it's really funny. Um, my last thing is that somehow uh, Fiona and... Uh, Natasha? Natasha. Somehow Fiona and Natasha seem to be the only pitches to have escaped having a ridiculous name <laughs> i mean not even bass escapes that no nope. because <laughs> as bass is you know talking about his family his family history and it's like right and then balthasar pitch and you're just like are you shitting me <laughs> <laughs> you fucking kid that's such a good point i wonder i wonder if fiona has a different first name i guess we would probably know but i can see I can see her, you know, kind of like Baz. Baz is actually using his his less absurd name. <laughs> Which, of course, uh, if Basilton is your less absurd name, it's really <laughs> only downhill. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, you're probably right, though. It would it would make sense if Fiona has a like flowerly, overly intricate first name and she's just like no i'm just gonna go by fiona fuck this yeah yeah exactly (laughs) welcome to i see a little silhouette of a man where we talk about character development and we get a little bit about baz's interest in his family lineage which he gives simon a very sort of brief rundown i mean i think more of a rundown than I feel like a lot of people could give of their great-great-grandparents, you know, and the sort of uh, extended reach of Baz's blood relatives. And I mean, and also sort of the pride that Baz takes in that. Like, obviously, the part of the reason why he knows all of this is that he takes a lot of pride in the pitch side of his family. And not so much about the grim side, (laughs) as he just calls them all middling farmers and doesn't name (laughs) a single one. Uh, yeah, it's so funny because it seems like the Grimms are still a like respected old money family, but they're like somehow the like bottom of the barrel of the respected old money families, I guess. If I if I had to guess, if I had to hypothesize about, say, Baz's dad, is that maybe he was the one dude, the one person in the family who's like, you know what, actually fuck all this noise. I want to like actually bring some like umph back to our family name. And like, cause he's, cause he's, he's very intense, you know, like everything that Baz that we know that we get of him in the series seems incongruous with Baz being like, there's just a bunch of like fucking farmers in the boonies, you know, essentially. And it's like, so your dad probably was like, maybe always kind of this intense and always was going to be like a social climber as much as you can be if you're already in a sort of right like old money family but like bought like lower rung old money family right because i don't think you know so natasha married for love but she was allowed to marry uh whatever baz's dad's name is but there was no world in which fiona would have been allowed to marry nico and he also is, like, from an old magic family, but they're, like, not moneyed, you know? Yeah. So there's definitely, there's, like, a, there's a line 
that the Grimm's are on the other side of that line. They're on the like technically acceptable side of that line, whatever yeah. that line is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure that line is, I'm sure, all about money and about how far back your lineage is. I don't know. Maybe not quite straight up white British, considering that Baz is like, there's a, more than just English in my background, as we find out. But yeah, that's what I would guess. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I also do think that like farmer is being used really loosely here as in I don't think any of the Grimm's for at least a very long time have been the ones like working with the animals. They like own the farms and are yeah. like, we're farmers. And you're like, are you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like you can't really just wave away owning like land ownership because like that is the basis of so much wealth in in the, in the industrialized West that you can't just be like, oh, just just some farmers just owning a, a bunch of farmland. It's like, actually, no, like, that's still kind of a big deal. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. So. Yeah, what else? Which brings us to Simon. And he's just like, I don't know. I, I, I mean, like, we as readers know more about his family than he does. But even we as readers don't know beyond the sort of tragedy of his immediate parents. So... And this is, I think, maybe the first time in a while that Baz even, like, thinks to himself about, like, oh, we could try to find some of Simon's people. Which, of course, is just foreshadowing for us eventually meeting Lady Salisbury. Um, possibly one of the best characters in the series. So. Easily, yes. <laughs> could not wish for a better relative, honestly. For real. And, uh, yeah. Simon just feels, he, he just, kind of, I mean, we're not in his POV. He's just sort of like, I, I don't want to do a DNA test. Who knows what kind of weird shit's going to come up, which honestly fair, even though, as we'll get into later, we're doing a lot of cool things in this, in this book about the combination of fantasy and IRL technology science stuff. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't surprise me if Simon did a DNA test and it was just real fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I I was like, now I kind of want to look at your DNA. Not that I would know what I was looking at, but like, you know, I want to know what they would see if they looked at Simon's DNA. Yeah. Even though I will say, it, I don't know why it made my skin crawl, but when he was like, yeah, there might be like weird stuff or like humdrum holes. And I'm like, oh, full body just shudder. Like, oh, I don't know why. Just like little DNA stands with like holes in it. Just ugh, made my skin crawl. I'm like, that's disgusting interesting i don't know what it was i'm just like oh but yeah yeah we get some like this chapter does some nice like yes their relationship tuck it in it's doing good you know like they're snuggling and baz is like so happy when simon's like we gotta save your stepmom and he's like i could have hugged him and then i realized i just could hug him and then i just did hug him and you're like yeah i know <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> It is it is so nice to have this chapter where it's like, oh, yeah, we can focus on figuring out this capital M mystery because y'all are communicating with each other and are in a really good space in your relationship. And it's like, yes, exactly. <laughs> this is what I want to see. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to Face the Truth, where we talk about things that are fucked up. Um, I would like to start on a lighter-ish note where Simon is sort of grappling with this idea of, like, fake chosen ones. And he's like, why would 
anyone want to be the chosen one. And like in my in my book, I wrote it's you, but you have to read that in the voice of the Swede from our flag means death, telling Rwanda <laughs> that he's the obvious captain. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, right. It's like that's only people who think who would want this job are the people who are qualified to have that job. So Simon, it's you. Yeah, sorry, sorry, friend. Yeah, you. You're still acting like the chosen one, which is really part of the whole deal, even if you yeah. can't actively use magic. Um, yeah, I feel like that moment and Simon being like, oh, we just gotta go, we gotta go save your stepmom, which Simon, like, in no universe literally had to say that, you know, at all. But he's like, his first instinct is to be like, well, she's in trouble, so we gotta go save her. And it's just like, just, I don't know. I'm just like, oh, see, this is why you're not a fake chosen one, my friend. Uh, yep. You're not trying to scam old ladies out of their money <laughs> by saying you're the chosen one. You're trying to help people from being scammed. Exactly. Yep. All right. Uh, this is fun. I think I'm going to go the next level of seriousness, which is Dev mentioned that they brought back the entrance exams at Watford, which I'm like, mm. that's actually shitty and fucked up. And it feels like one of those shitty things that you do when you're like, I have to have a concession to like conservative bullshit. And this is my concession to conservative bullshit. And I'm like, middly, you didn't actually have to do that though. <laughs> I agree. I hate it. I, um, I can't currently remember if it's followed up upon. So maybe it is, and maybe it's somehow you take the exam and then you like get tutoring if you need it to like qualify to, you know, to be ready to start in the, way that i don't know sometimes kids have to go to kindergarten more than once before they're ready to like keep up with first grade work or whatever yeah i feel like this instance of where it's like you have to have a certain amount of magical power to go to wadford not just having a magical not just being magical isn't like isn't enough you have to be at a certain level i think that's sort of also interestingly like thematically a lot of where this book is going where it's like there's a whole lot of people in the world of mages who aren't, you're not, a, they're not a bass pitch. They're not a, you know, they're not a penny bunce. They're like average to even like can only do a little bit of active magic and just the sort of, I don't know, societal anxiety, interpersonal like shame that that causes like really what is funneling these folks to our inevitable awful cult leader, you know? Right. So I guess I'm, what I'm trying to say is this, this feels like a smaller piece of a larger puzzle of what is a clear, not very well examined part of the world of mages, which is if you could only do a little bit of active magic, fuck you, yeah. <laughs> essentially. Yeah, I agree. I think it's, um, you know, we've, I think we've talked about this several other times. It honestly feels like the other piece of this conversation where they're like, she's making them learn math, like, LOL, what's next geography, where it's like, yeah, maybe Watford shouldn't exist as an idea, you know, like, I do think that American mages seem to have a better grasp on, like, what does it mean to live in the world? And maybe learning magic should be something that is more of a like, after school activity, summer camp activity, something that's like, you know, provided to all magical kids in the same way that Watford is. But 
not like the main thing that you learn because you do then go on to like work in the normal world you know and you need to have the skills to be able to do that yeah no i i think that's such a i think that's an excellent point because we even get dev here who's like uh yeah pledging to the mage and elocution really didn't help me go to university and it's like yeah watford's really failed you as a school because of that (laughs) or like not failed you as a school but is doing a very specific thing and that is not teaching these young people how to further themselves in their in their lives it is whatever bullshit the major's on essentially but arguably kind of whatever bullshit any of the headmasters are trying to get across and how they think the world should be shaped versus trying to i don't know help mages be functional in their society in the normal society yeah which is i mean obviously a sort of bigger critique of like what is the point of formal schooling anyway uh because uh educating yourself is educating kids definitely not one of those (laughs) definitely not really at the top of that right so yeah yeah so yeah should Watford exist good question probably not (laughs) right maybe not as a full-time school that you're living at and only learning magic words and not geography like come on right exactly um yeah, so my other thing here is about old people being conned on Facebook, just like in the normal world. You know, this is a very, obviously this was written recently, this book. Um, it is was written sooner in time than the time in which it is taking place. Uh, and you can very much, I think, feel the Trump presidency and COVID in what is unfolding in this book yeah 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 and i think this in particular feels like such a commentary on on both of those things you know yeah it it's like both so fascinating to be like we're reading a fantasy series and it's like oh this mage's grandma's being conned out of her money on facebook by someone pretending to be the chosen one and it's just like Oh, but of course. <laughs> mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, I can't imagine writing a series like this contemporarily, especially if you're a writer in, well, now 2023, and not have to be like, yeah, uh, your magic users would use social media and they would definitely get conned. <laughs> they, it would definitely be bad for them <laughs> in the ways, yeah. in the ways in which social media exacerbates the worst parts of people. Uh, And I mean, in general, exacerbates extremes. So, yeah. And yeah, I'm just like gesturing because I'm just like, but of course, having magic doesn't mean you have more common sense. Exactly. Honestly, in a lot of ways, probably means they have less common sense because they are not learning critical thinking at Watford, notably. Not one of the things that they're doing there. Right. Um, I was, when I first took my notes, I was like, oh, there should really be a spell. Like, and I think that honestly, that fake news would be a really effective spell. It would like turn, turn a thing a color to like indicate like veracity. Um, and then I was like, it wouldn't work. Like the spell might work, but it wouldn't change whether or not people believed the thing that they were looking at. And that, it's so scary to think about. 
Yeah, I... It is weird because what does, like, critical media skills even look like right now? And I say that because part of it is that listeners, like, I'm a middle-of-the-road millennial. Like, I grew up using, I think, all of the social media analogous things and then the beginning of all the social medias. So it's like being able to differentiate what is a real information source and what isn't is a thing I learned before I was dumped into the internet, (laughs) essentially. And there are so many jokes about why, and not just like boomers and this, like, you know, even folks that are like Gen X, even folks that are like millennials, where it's like, if you haven't, if you weren't, in a place to necessarily learn media literacy, like computer literacy, I think it would be very hard to try to parse out the sort of just fire hose of opinions and thoughts that you get from something like Facebook. And because it's not like, it's not like reading a newspaper <laughs> where it's like, I know that I am picking up a thing that has been written by a writer and an Ideally, maybe fact-checked by an editor, and this is a thing I can I can say I can trust. Any any person who knows how to use Squarespace can make a website and make it look professional and say whatever the fuck they want to. And if it's interspersed with photos of your grandchildren and like pictures of dogs, you're not necessarily using your most like critical skills to be like, is this a legitimate news source? Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think even, like, even people our age don't, I think there's often not incentive to, like, have good follow-up or, like, due diligence with things that we learn. Like, we learn things on TikTok, especially, all the time. And I, like, I think it's so scary. (laughs) I mean, you know, I fact-check everything that I'm like, what an interesting thing. I might repeat that sometime and, like... Evan has started when he will talk to me about things that he sees on the internet, like prefacing immediately with like whether or not he's already independently fact checked it because he knows that I'm going to be like, is this a fact that I can accept into my brain without having to like go do the work? He's like, have I done the work already or not? Um, Yeah, I think we've had this conversation. I think I've also started to be like for some things, especially around political things i'm like i'm gonna need to fact check this yeah and but i think it's i don't know i i've i honestly do it with like everything one of the things because here's what's up recently someone i think it was actually on instagram like someone shared a thing about like white people are like gentrifying turmeric and they can't even say it and i was like interesting i wonder if i know how to say turmeric this wasn't even a like me fact checking a thing i was like do I say turmeric right? Right. Turmeric is not a word for turmeric in any Indian language. This is an English word and both turmeric and turmeric are correct pronunciations of the word. Sorry, this makes me so frustrated (laughs) because it's like a fun little like jibe, whatever. But like people will just like say shit and then you like other people read shit and then it like goes and it doesn't matter super much right except there are definitely going to be people who are like shitty to other people being like i know how to say turmeric and it's like turns out there's not a correct way it's an old english word that entered the like you know vernacular in like the 15th century 
this is not like, what if we like, just what if we just didn't do this? Like, what if we just said things that were true? Because there's like a point that you're trying to make, which is like, what if we didn't live in a world where like when more people become interested in a thing, it means that the price of the thing goes up because of greed. Like, that's the thing that you're really trying to say. Yeah. And that that is not the point that gets, like, put across in the, the like, potentially harmless joke. But if you're going to make the joke, at least make it be true. Okay, yeah. go ahead. Actually, I, I want to bring this back in that I wonder if part of the reason why, I wonder if part of it is, at least say, in the U.S., like, because of our shitty education system, we're sort of primed to be like, someone is giving me information and I am absorbing that. And I, you know, and clearly they they are speaking with the voice of authority. So I need to listen to them. Sort of like a teacher-student top-down hierarchy, as opposed to being like, this person is filtering this information through their own personal biases. And I, as a, like, critical thinking person, should also, like, take the information in and then also fact-checked it or asked myself, does this person maybe have an agenda about why they're telling me this information right now and in this way? Right. And again, U.S. Edu- the U.S. schools in the U.S. not set up for that kind of thinking because if you did that, you would, you would think about how incredibly fucked up this country is and how you work 40, 50, 60 hours a week and you hate your life and some dude has five yachts and you have not enough money to pay off your student loans or to pay your bills or to, you know, get your kids shoes when they grow out of them. And I think that the sort of way that, uh, and I'm only speaking because I'm, you know, in the U.S., like the way that we're taught that you're supposed to learn information makes it really easy for people to be susceptible to someone who sounds like an authority in a video, in a, in a tweet, and then blog post on a, or a website that they have made up without people being like, well, yeah, th- you're an authority in this. That sounds correct. And it's like, is it? <laughs> right, exactly. Are you sure about that? <laughs> that's No, I think that's such a good point. Yeah. Wow. I feel like we got... <laughs> oh, this is not where we're to this conversation to go. I feel like, though... I'm not surprised, I think, to be like, oh, is there like a lot? Do we have a lot of feelings about um, the horrors of social media in 2023? It's not not a shock to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, Do you have anything else here? Um, Just that this is really our second book out of a thrill out of a trilogy that involves technology scam artists. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which I expect to see in much more science fiction and fantasy going forward. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Yeah, it's sort of, yeah. I mean, obviously, the part of the excitement of a fantasy novel is to have fantastical villains, but it's honestly so much more interesting to have, like, right, fake chosen ones on Facebook. Like, so much more interesting to think about. And hopefully, I don't know a way to sort of also think critically about what people are saying on Facebook. Yep. Uh, Oh, yeah. Welcome to Caught in a Landslide, where we rant about stuff. 
Um, I only have one rant here, which is Simon, chosen or not. I'm a big fan of Baz's Por que no los dos response to that question. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you probably just, I don't want to say like, don't stop being a chosen one, but I feel like it's sort of a frame of mind, if you could say. Yeah. I mean, he is the one that was prophesized. I think Baz is right. Like he did, he fulfilled all the prophecies. And if that's what determines whether or not you're chosen, like obviously the mage forced it into happening, but that doesn't mean that it didn't, you know, that's the thing about prophecies. Like the mage is like, all right, we need this person who's going to like defeat this thing. And like, turns out in doing so, he also created the big bad, but I don't know. Yeah, I guess I agree with Baz. I think Simon really was the chosen one. Yeah. Capital T, capital C, chosen one. Uh, Yeah. And the assumption that a prophecy would somehow be black and white is laughable because it's basically like you're interpreting poetry. Like it's there's not a clear way of doing that. Right. So I think they're like, you know, by nature, they're always going to be a bit muddy you know it's just that's just what a prophecy is yeah for sure but i also understand being like i allowed chosen one uh trauma maybe when i'll process this later to be like (laughs) oh actually no still the chosen one though i guess the end of this book it's like okay well (laughs) you get there's fake chosen ones and then there's real chosen ones right Welcome to Sun Shivers Down My Spine, where we talk about sexy stuff. Uh, I just want to bring up, there's, when Baz is on the phone with Dev, Simon is eating toast, and there's a moment where Baz is clearly distracted by butter dripping down, like, Simon's, like, wrist. (laughs) (laughs) Baz just wants to lick it off. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, I'm I'm paying attention. Yeah, totally. Dev. (laughs) Yeah. You're about to lose your your entire family inheritance. That sounds like a, what a, (laughs) it's like, (laughs) it's like, that's rough, buddy. But... So, I don't know. I just, uh, yeah, I, I like that. I, like, I just like that part. Um, yeah. All right. Cool. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode. Next time, we will be talking about chapters 27 and 28. And until next time, Scatamoosh! Scatamoosh.